Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards, and it's been an exciting week in the National League playoffs. The Eliminators have taken place over this coming weekend just gone. Joining me to review it, it is Rob Worrell. Hiya, Rob. Hi, Luke. And we also have a special guest, a man who was at both games, luckily, for BT Sport. It is their touchline reporter, Jeff Brazier. Hiya, Jeff. Watch it, Luke. Yeah, what a privilege it was. Two good games. Absolutely. And I know you're on your way home, so thank you very much for joining us. A long trek back to Essex from Hartlepool. I mean, you've got some miles in this weekend, haven't you? I've got some miles in over the course of the season, that's for sure. So a few more is probably not going to hurt, is it? <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean... Well, we'll start off with that game on Saturday, Notts County against Chesterfield. Local pride at stake, a playoff semi-final place at stake, and what a game it was. I, I think it was the, the atmosphere that really made it. It was, it was almost, you know, I'm obviously impartial, I didn't necessarily root for one or the other, but it was, you know, amazing to see um, fans, um, you know, back into a, a big state stadium like that you know four odd thousand uh fans and they they really uh let us know that they were there as well you could just see the the impact that it had on the spectacle uh let alone on on Notts County I wondered whether there'd be any uh booing or whistles or anything at half time when they went in at 2-1 but it wasn't you know credit to I don't know why but I've got in my head that Notts County fans are, are really quite um quite expectant um when it comes to uh, to doing well in these playoffs and getting themselves out of the National League and back into the Football League. But, um, you know, they, they prove really that they're completely behind the team and, and most notably as well behind Ian Birchnell because, let's face it, you know, his, his introduction was, was quite difficult and laboured and uh, it wasn't until really the, the live Sutton game, I think, that their fortunes turn around and all the what he was trying to, um, I guess, in, impose on the team started to really take hold. And from then, obviously, they've been they've been much better. They've been fantastic, and they were fantastic yesterday. Yeah, I think the, um, the Chesterfield were great for 60 minutes. They got the tactics right. The, the turning point was one was James Montgomery getting injured and not really being able to move around, and two was Oyeliki getting injured as well because he was really running that midfield. It left Gunning exposed, and Notts County just really went from there. And it was only a matter of time before they got that equaliser, wasn't it? It's, it's important to to note, honestly, Chesterfield were excellent. Um, the only time I've watched Chesterfield this year, it was almost like my, my briefing notes were sort of, uh, all my research was lying to me because I watched them play Hartlepool away. And actually, they were quite poor that day. And I couldn't, I couldn't see it. They had a few players missing, to be fair. Gunning was missing, a few others. Um, and that was James Rowe's sort of explanation of it. Um, but you can only really go on what you've seen. Um, whereas, you know, they were a completely different side. Discipline, rigid. Um, and then obviously, you know, they, they took their opportunities when they got them. Uh, Danny Rowe doing what we know Danny Rowe does um, and being sort of influential on their, on their second as well, which to, for me, Notts County had sort of switched off ever so slightly. But um, you, you're right. The, uh, the Montgomery getting injured was, was really key. And, and you thought, you know, is he going to take him off? And it's this interesting sort of point around um, keepers not being on benches. And I forgot to check today, actually. Because I just think that whenever managers are, are sort of thinking about not putting a goalkeeper on the bench, they'll refer back to how Chesterfield's chances of uh, going further in the playoffs were potentially scuppered by A, not, not having one, and B, keeping an injured keeper on. Because let's face it, I think a, a, a fit 
goalkeeper, whether they're an actual goalkeeper or an outfield player, would have probably come and claimed that, that cross before Mark Ellis gets it. Yeah, I mean, I know James Rowe said that to you. He had a kind of little a dig at the authorities, didn't he, saying... Well, every other league's allowed seven, seven on the bench and are allowed five subs. So, so why can't we? And that was behind his decision, which he did admit was wrong, but it is a risky run, especially at this stage of the season. And I know we did try to find a couple of excuses, James Rowe, but at the end of the day, Notts County were just that slightly better in the end, I think. And, and Chesterfield can still hold their head up high, can't they? Yeah, I, I don't think that when he, when he was telling me about, you know, it shouldn't have been a free kick. It wasn't a foul. Um, I thought to myself, you know, you, you've um, you, you've committed so many um, so many fouls during the course of the game. You know, good game management. You know, they, they would say in coaching, it's a good foul to give away because it breaks up the play. I think they were really, really good at that. To, to, to complain about decision didn't really necessarily wash completely with me. But um, no, they they were so good, and they they very easily. I guess if Montgomery didn't get injured, if they'd have took took a few of their late chances, Tyson. Uh, uh, you know, had a, had a chance. He tried to round the keeper. His first touch wasn't good enough. There was one just before that from where I was sat. It looked like it opened up for whoever's on the ball and, um, you know, they could have got a shot off but opted to try and sort of play someone else in as a result. It was a really you know, fine margin but unbelievable game. What an advert for the National League. Yeah, Rob, like say, key, key, it was key moments in that game, wasn't it, in the end? And it swung in Nuts County's favour. Absolutely, and football's all about opinions. I watched it all. I I, I loved it. It was, it had everything. It was such a good game. And James Rowe, you know, he did find it very hard to take that defeat. And I can understand why because he's very very big on his tactics and his game plan largely came off. Um, it was other circumstances ultimately that led to them losing. I don't concur. I don't think Knox County were the better team. I think they showed huge spirit. I think in Ellis, they have somebody really special who, who, who just gives that little bit extra. And I think the tough, the tough thing for James Rowe after that game, you know, he, he's a winner. He, like a lot of good winners, is, 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 is not always the best loser. I know I've spent most of the years that I've played any sport being, a, uh, you know, a good winner and a terrible loser. But he didn't really want to you know, in the single out individual players there. I think we can comment and say that a, a defender as good and as experienced as Will, as Will Evans massively switched off, massively switched off, and, mm. and Ellis got in too easily. But And no, the first goal, the equaliser as well, they'd just taken a lead, and that was a calamity as well, wasn't it? It, it, it was. And, and look, you know, those players have done magnificent for Rowe. Let's just reiter- you know, reiterate... 21st, 22nd place when he came in. 63 points from 33 games. Jeff will probably back that or or because he knows his stats. Is that about right, Jeff? I mean, it was a phenomenal run to get to sixth place, wasn't it? Only, well, do you know, it's really funny. You fill your head with stats and information and then as soon as there's another game to be researched for, you just sort of dump the knowledge entirely. But no, I do remember, I think the only team that's been better than them since he was appointed was actually Sutton, the winners. So you can't really say much against that, can you? His, his record stands for itself. And I'm really excited that there's going to be uh, teams that are no doubt going to be as strong as Chesterfield in the league next year. Yeah, they've built that platform, haven't they, for next season? And I know they've, they've got quite a few players out of contract. They've signed a lot of players as well recently. And it's, it's, it's now down to James Rowe to get that balancing act right, isn't it? And, uh, with those new players and some players maybe coming back in. 
you look how strong they were yesterday. Uh, you know, to think that he's going to have a, a, a month or so to, to work with that group and any new additions. And um, I think it's the sort of thing, it's the sort of experience that you build on. Um, look how close we were. Now we're a better team. We're going to go one further. Um, I, I, I don't, how can you go backwards? I'm not saying that they'll win it next year. I'm not saying that they'll necessarily have an advantage in the playoffs if they should even reach there because how do we ever know what we've got on our hands at the start of the season? You know, we've, we've tried to predict things and we're rubbish at it. Um, yeah. But I know that there's a lot. I think the National League seems to be improving. Lots of people keep referring to that. I don't know why necessarily, uh, but I'm just grateful that it does. Uh, and just uh, the, the thing for not, I mean, we'll, we'll look at Notts County going forward um, in the semi-final. They'll travel to Torquay. There's question marks for me defensively about them, but we'll get onto that later on. Um, the other game that took place was on Sunday, which is a game that you're on the way back from, Jeff, up at Hartlepool. And I've been saying for weeks, if Bromley get in, they'll be really hard to beat. And that, <laughs> that first half an hour just threw that out the window. Another really rubbish prediction from me. Uh, no, but you had every right to make that prediction. And that's exactly how I felt. And there was a couple of Hartlepool fans when I sat down and were like, you know, what do you think today? And I, I said, honestly, I think Bromley will do it, which is quite brazen of me. But um, the, the truth is, is that when you've just been beaten once out of the 13 games that you've been in charge, um, when, you know, you, you've literally built on the solidarity of the, of the back four and that template that makes you rigid and hard to break down and then, the occasion i mean because again like credit to the uh to the poolies that were there who uh created that atmosphere um but then you know credit really to to challenger for his tactics in terms of the intensity from the off and um there's no way they can maintain that for 90 if it wasn't for a free goal lead at half time then then you'd sort of worry about him in the second half because i'm I'm pretty sure that uh Reece Oates and uh Luke Armstrong in particular would have been literally you know, on their on their last legs come the 70th minute. But luckily, they've done enough. Yeah, Rob, I mean, uh, Reese Oates, again, I know you've been waxing lyrical about him in the last couple of weeks and he came up trumps again, didn't he? Yeah, he's a, good, he's a really good player and he's in the best form of his life. And, uh, you know, when you're in that kind of form, you, you believe you can do anything and you play so positively and things just come off for you. And they did again today. He could have had four goals today. Um, if we're being harsh on him. But what you can say about many players in the National League, oh, yeah, tremendous work rate. But he's so intelligent with his positional sense, with his running. Um, And he's been on fire for a good couple of months now, pretty steady throughout the season. He ran the show down at Aldershot when Hartlepool won 3-1. Man of the match there. Players player of the season, fans player of the season. And he didn't sit on his laurels and uh, think how good he was, Jeff. He went out and did it again when it really mattered today. Yeah, I mean, it, again, like the, the blistering intensity from, from the pair of them from the front really just pressing. And, and you know what? I mean, Bromley, I feel so sorry for them just because um, of the quality that they've obviously uh, and, the, and the effort that it must have took. 27 points from, from, from those 13 games in order to be able to qualify for the playoffs. And then for the first half, that first 45 minutes, to, to not then apply everything that they know and have used to get there. You know, it, it was literally just any long ball. They didn't deal with it. And um, they would never have given those goals away, um, you know, any, any other time. But mm. as Andy Woodman said, he just thought maybe one or two of his players didn't quite deal with the, the occasion and the, and the intensity. You could see that he was continuously telling everyone to just calm down. So that he could get could get to grips of it, but as I say, like credit to Hartlepool because they were literally 110 mile an hour 
and um, and it was just wave after wave, and they just couldn't cope. I'll tell you what, it was a really good interview that with uh, with Andy Woodman after as well. It was just. He was really gracious, but he was really honest as well. And I'm glad that he said he didn't go in and really sort of have a go at his players at half time because I think, like you say, with the effort they've put in, it's just, it happens. You can have a bad 45 minutes and he probably just went out and said, look, play for pride, go and win the second half. And he did that. And I think them scoring early made it, made it a better game. You just didn't want Hartlepool running out comfortable winners in that second half, did you? No, I thought that he might have gone and, and dropped a few home truths and stuff because they came out to, um, they, yeah, they just basically came out after five minutes. They was on the pitch for like 10 minutes before the second half started. But, but no, as he said, he'd, uh, he'd just gone, you know, you, you don't let yourselves down, um, like this. You, you've worked so hard to be here in front of your friends and family with this opportunity that you've got. Go out and give your best and, and put it right. And that's all that he really needed to say. But, um, that's the Premier League coaching him, right? Because I think, you know, emotions would, would take over and it, it would be very easy I, I guess to get blamey and accusatory and, um, and and sometimes that motivates and actually sometimes it probably does more damage so uh, again it speaks volumes for the manager that he is and imagine what you know when he's brought in a few of his own signings and had a bit of time at the club again Chesterfield Bromley mm. you know how can they possibly not be you know forces to be reckoned with next year yeah, it's a good point, that Rob, isn't it? I was just going to say again, he's he's really laying the foundations for next season, and it was interesting. I know when Jess spoke to him a couple of weeks ago um, after one of the games, and he said, "Look, I've earned my chance now." I think everyone was really surprised about Neil Smith going, and he's going, "Well, I've earned my chance, and I've proven a few people wrong." Yeah, I mean, they both deserve huge credit for me for getting Bromley, easily the smallest club that made the playoffs. They both deserve huge credit. Let's remember they were in the final playoff position when Neil. Uh, Smith went and uh, the amount of points that uh, Bromley had to stack up to stay in it was phenomenal. And and I don't know if either of you caught the sort of post-season interview with Ben Strevens. He was heartbroken because he had an idea how many points Eastley would need to make to get to the playoffs. And they achieved them, but they missed out. The, mm. the, the the win ratios of those teams towards the end was incredible. It's been quite a fantastic season. Just a final comment for me on Andy Woodman. Very gracious in defeat, yes. And I really loved his honesty with the final question you asked him, Jeff. And that was, you know, around the fact that they got back to 3-2 in stoppage time. And I think he said himself it would, I forget the word he used, but it would have been, it would have been unjust, really, if Bromley had, had levelled. And, and I think... To a certain extent, the fact that they got two goals in the end, they they won the second half, they saved a little bit of face. But I think he would have been he would have taken the draw for sure, an extra time. But uh, it it wasn't quite the three two that the other game was, was it? No, you could just tell what I love about Andy Woodman is uh, his belief, and he said that he believed that they could do it and go the whole way. To be fair, before the game, why wouldn't he? In the last ten games, only Dagnum have accumulated more points, but. He said even in the second half, sending them out, he still believed that they would they would come back from that three goal deficit and and turn it round. And when you've got a manager that believes in you that much, think how much uh, that motivates your your team. So you know that's why they uh, they, they come up. I mean they scared them with that Alabi goal. Um, and then you're thinking right. I, I thought again Hartlepool did really well to just sort of nullify that, and get hold of the ball a little bit, and, um, and and stop them from having too many chances because it might have. Uh, might have made a difference with the crowd, and they might have got a little bit disgruntled, but um, but they they didn't. And um, but yeah, that that last minute goal was a weird one because it just uh, obviously no away fans, so, so no one celebrated it, and it just kind of crawled, crept into the into the goal. And uh, 
I don't think they even realised that they'd scored, to be honest. Everyone was looking around like, we scored, is that a goal? Um, but again, they just they just had no time left to uh, to influence it further. But again, just another great game of football for us. <sighs> so, let's talk about you. Actually, let's talk about me, just for a bit, because I was like you. In 40-odd years, I hadn't done much exercise, but I knew I had to start. So, I got the Couch to 5K app. From not being able to run for more than a minute, nine weeks later, I was running for half an hour. It's simple, it's free, and it's all planned out. With a little support, it's amazing what your body can do. Join thousands of monthly users. Download the free One U Couch to 5K app now, because there's only one you. Let's have a look then at the semi-finals taking place next weekend. As we mentioned, next Saturday it is Torquay against Notts County. Torquay have had a good rest and, and the team who finished second in the last two seasons, Salford and Harrogate, have both won the, gone on and won the playoffs. Uh, for me, as I mentioned earlier, Notts County defensively, for me, there's still question marks. I know Mark Ellis has been really good going forward, but I always think he's not the quickest. He's got a mistake in him. Slocum, really good shot stopper, but looks suspect at crosses. That'll be something that Torquay will be looking to exploit. Although Torquay recently have been struggling to find the back of the net. I saw them at last week, albeit it was an end-of-season affair. But they didn't. They, for me, whenever I see him on telly, they don't seem to create absolutely loads. So it's going to be a tight game, I think. Definitely be tight. Yeah, I um, I, I always worry for Torquay without Danny Wright. I, I'm not. I don't think that they're going to have him back at any point during the playoffs. Obviously, they're not guaranteed another game after Saturday anyway. But I also remember looking at um, looking at them against Barnet and thinking, you've got your your home support back. Surely that's going to give you a lift. But actually, if anything, it seemed to do the opposite. And um, you know, they, I, I wonder what impact that will have. It'll be a really even encounter, I'm sure, and I just think we're we're, we're probably due an, an, another absolute classic. So, uh, but I, I couldn't call it between the two of them. Yeah, Rob, go the, on. Your t- your turn to predict now. Go on. <laughs> yeah, well, the standard's been set, and I know Adam Summerton said, and I can't remember if it was um, if it was in commentary. Um, I thought the commentary were brilliant, actually, brilliant, brilliant coverage from BT. I'm not just saying that because obviously you're on. My thoughts on Torquay and Notts County. The really interesting thing is, as much as they've gained momentum, they've had huge morale and belief boost in victories, Notts County and, and Hartlepool, they did it in front of their own fans. And now the boot is going to be on the other foot. They both mm. have to go away and a complete reversal of what they've just had. Um, that won't be easy. I think the uh, I wanted to ask you, Jeff, really, how much of a factor... Um, in these two games that have ended 3-2, do you think the home fans only being in was? Yeah, a, a, a big one. A big one. Imagine if these games were played uh, behind closed doors. I mean, it doesn't even bear thinking about it. I hope we never, ever go back to those dark days because the fans are everything to, to football of any, any level, of any description. But because the playoffs really matter... Because the games were really competitive anyway. Um, obviously, not the first half today so much, but but in, in total, um, yeah, you are relying on that twelfth man to just sort of pull you through and give you that encouragement. It's almost like the fans uh, at Meadow Lane and Tory uh, Park today have, have absolutely understood their role in that um, they managed not to let any of the frustrations or possible gripes sort of. Uh, get to them um, and and as a result they, they were the 12th men and um, I should imagine that that will be a big help to talk in Stockport next week um, but again this, this semi-final it's, it's literally like cup football and um, 
whilst teams have had you know have had the advantage this weekend, Notts County and Hartlepool, I think um, I think they'll have enough about them to, to navigate. There's this, there are lots of managers. All the managers are basically talking about how they want to. They they need to set up to basically silence the the, the crowds early on, obviously by not conceding, uh, by by trying to sort of get them uh, plant the seed of doubt in their mind and stuff. So that's a big consideration for managers. Yeah, I mean, it, so moving on to Sunday, it's Stockport County against Hartlepool. Simon Rusk was was at Victoria Park watching today. I mean, what do you think he'll take away from that? Um, I think that he will, yeah, he will look at the way that Hartlepool are going to start. If they start like that again, then they're going to need to be mentally prepared for that because it's not necessarily about good defending. It's about, you know, focus and communication, uh, uh, you know, I'd say, and just expecting that that literal onslaught uh, of wave after wave. So they're going to have to match them for, for focus and attention as well as, um, as well as the intensity of their play as well. Um, but, you know, stop by. I know Simon Rusk is really confident. He's confident in the side that he's got. There's lots of experience in there as well at, at, at getting out of this level. So you, you'd imagine that they'll, they'll know how to or feel like they'll feel confident of being able to cope with it. I just, uh, I, I was surprised that I saw that from Hartlepool today. I know I shouldn't be because Dave Challoner, obviously, you know, he's a great, great coach and they're a great team. But I watched them against Sutton. Again, going off the last game, really, last experience of watching these sides. Against Sutton, they were sort of actually really quite passive. And it was almost like they were there to be a part of Sutton's storyline. Um, but, you know, I appreciate that, that Sterry obviously hitting the uh, the upright. You know, that's that's a different game if they go 1-0 up. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I honestly think that, um, that Hartlepool are just a completely different outfit today. Luke, um, my thoughts on that one. I, I, I keep coming back to the same thing. Hartlepool have played at Sutton, Bromley, and then it will be Stockport. They're basically playing against the three teams that have had the best defensive records in the last, the second half of the season. Okay, at Sutton, uh, as, as Jeff says, they were a bit passive. Maybe the whole thing of you know, would it be Sutton's promotion, uh, you know, title-winning partner? Maybe that played in effect. I don't know. Today they've come up against Bromley and they made Bromley's defence look very ordinary in the first half an hour. One of the reasons I've backed Stockport to come through the playoffs was that I think they're very, very, very hard to beat. I, I don't see it being a high-scoring affair next week. And Luke, obviously you can play this back when it ends up being another 3-2. But, Will do. but I, I, I think there'll be just one goal in that game. Uh, and I wouldn't like to say who'll get it, but I, I probably would put my money just on Stockport to maybe win it one nil, or even, you know, even it maybe even goes to penalties. I think it'll be that tight because Stockport have a lot of nails. They have a lot of defensive. I don't think they will be opened up as easily as um, as, as Bromley were today. Yeah, I mean, I, I keep hearing that. I mean, I think Adam Virgo said it. He said he worries about Stockport defensively, but they've got a very good defence. It's going forward that uh, I worry about. I don't think they create enough chances, and they need somebody like Paddy Madden fit for these uh, for these playoffs. I think. Yeah, no, I'm not sure whether he is fit or or not. Again, I haven't really sat down to to look ahead to next weekend's fixtures just yet. Um, but I do think that um, it's just that how can you really call the difference between the two sides? Um, I, the one point that I think was made today about um, Stockport and Torquay in particular is, is two weeks rest too much? Um, we wondered whether they'd look to maybe play some sort of friendly today. I mean, good luck finding a team that will play against you and put a team out just simply <laughs> because everyone's sort of done. And 
lots of teams have been done for quite a few months actually so that might have been difficult and if they're just ticking over on it yeah you just don't know is you know is there actually an advantage in the teams that have had to play these eliminators in that they've uh they've got a 90 minute uh, game under their belts their fitness has been topped up no one no one was injured necessarily that i know know about um other than lewis castle obviously was injured in training so that's different but um yeah you wonder whether that's a factor two weeks is a long time to have not played yeah, I mean, it, it, is an, it is an interesting one, Rob. As I say, we, we have asked this question in the past, whether a team who's finished second has gone on and won the place the last two years. And Dave Challenger did, did point it out that um, it'll have been, the, the, the day of the final is the day they came back for pre-season, so they'll have been full pelt for a year. So, in a way, maybe two weeks rest won't do any harm. I don't think it will. I think a lot of them would have been playing with little niggly naggling, uh, sorry, <laughs> niggling injuries towards the end of the season. And... Uh, I think the, the, the odd little bit of experience we've got in these situations are that uh, the, the sides can come back and hit the ground running. Harrogate were the best example of that last year. Fantastic. Um, I'm just going for the two home sides next week. I, I, I think it's a big change from having all your home fans in to suddenly it being the other way. They're both going to be tight games. And I'm, I'm back in Torquay and I'm back in Stockport. Well, on that note, uh, Jeff, thanks for joining us and uh, have a safe rest of your journey home. Yeah, listen, I'm going to get back on the road then, get these miles done, and I, I look forward to, to speaking to you again soon. Yeah, and I'm sure you'll be setting off for Torquay tomorrow, won't you? <laughs> oh, blimey. Can you imagine Torquay and then Stockport the next day? I, honestly, I can't complain. The games of football have been incredible. It's like that, and you must feel the same as well. Anyone who loves the National League as much as we do, um, it, there's, it's like the... the it's like an amazing ending to what has been like the the most unique one-off season you, you, you'll ever have because of fans not being there because of you know just things like the, you know the Dover impact and and everything else and we get to see it out in style and and these games this weekend have proved it so I, I can't wait to do that all over again next weekend and Rob thanks to you as well for joining us. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, you know I was disappointed that, that we didn't get into those games at the weekend. But I tell you what, watching them at home, full focus on them on the TV, absolutely loved it. Um, and, and, and can't wait, to, you know, can't wait for, for next weekend for, for, the, um, for the semi-finals. And, uh, and, and then hopefully uh, you and I making our way to Ashton Gate all being well. Yeah, let's do it all again next weekend. Thank you very much for listening. Give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. It's the same on Instagram. Look after yourselves and we'll see you all very soon.